you have your Bible want to turn to John chapter 10, we'll uh, be back in the, um, basically Jesus de- declaring that he is the good shepherd. Last year, excuse me, last year, last week, we focused in on um, the phrase, I am the door, that he is the door of the sheep. And we gave a little background, we got caught up from John chapter 9, where the man is born blind, and through the re- rest of that chapter, where Jesus heals him, through the rest of the chapter, it's this interaction between the Pharisees. And it gets pretty contentious. Like, there has been some, uh, some big division growing between Jesus and the Pharisees, and Jesus has not been shy about it. He has not backed down. He's calling them, in, this, uh, in John chapter 10, he's basically calling them false shepherds. Shepherds that don't care for, that don't feed, that don't lead, that don't protect the sheep, God's people, but instead what they do is they take from the sheep. They use the sheep. They use the sheep to satisfy their own appetite. And he says that those that came before me are thieves and robbers. One of the scriptures I shared with you last week was the prophet uh, from the prophet Ezekiel 34. I want to read a few of those verses again here just to get caught up. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, exclamation point. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought them back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So Jesus, as he's calling them thieves and robbers, that those that came before him, they're false shepherds. I mentioned last week how I wonder if the prophet Ezekiel came up in their minds. That they would remember us. These are scribes. These are rulers of the law. These are teachers of the law. They know the Old Testament intimately. So I wonder if those words would pop into their brain. And then, remember, this isn't the first time Jesus was pretty harsh with them, even recently in the book of John. When he looks at the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verses 42, he said, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and am here. Right? They were appealing that Abraham is our father. But I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand that? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. Wow. These holy men, these teachers of the law, these religious elite, they, they tithe better than any of us tithe. They do all the right things that would make them seem holy. And Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and you desire to do his will. He says that he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is the Pharisee's father. Just after this interaction in verse 59, chapter 8, 59, um, the Pharisees actually picked up stones and were going to kill them right there on the spot. 
And it says that Jesus got out of there and he hid himself. He says they, 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 they had the mindset that they were of their father Abraham and Jesus was like, but I am of the father, our father, God himself. They thought they had status and lineage that made them holy and untouchable, that their ancestry is what made them right, but the Lord Jesus looks upon the heart and he sees their filthiness. He sees the filthiness and their haughtiness and their pride and their hypocrisy and their arrogance. If you remember back to Matthew chapter 23, when he's pronouncing the woes over the Pharisees, he said, you're basically a shined up cup that's filthy inside. You're basically a tomb full of rotting flesh and on the outside you're whitewashed. You look all pristine, you look all clean, but inside is putrid. In our men's group this last week, if you, don't, if you don't have a community group, if you're a guy and you want to join us on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday mornings, we've got a great group that meets over at Birch and Banyan in, in Heartland. We're actually going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the Beatitudes, and I got to do a little teaching and, and discussion on blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it lines up so beautifully with our text today in John chapter 10. Right? When you think of pure in heart, that the ones who are pure in heart, they will see God. And I started the discussion on Tuesday morning saying, who could ever claim to be pure in heart? Like, if you could jump into my head, if you could jump into my selfish, sinful, prideful, lustful, greedy thoughts, there's no way you would hang out with me. Who could declare themselves pure in heart other than those who've been cleansed? By Jesus. And in this humility, in this posturing yourself in humility, in receiving what the Lord has done for you, you're cleansed by faith in Christ. You are cleansed and made pure, and your eyes are opened, and you can see God. But the Pharisees were blind. Their haughtiness their pride was standing right in the way of the one who was standing right in front of them. They were blind. So let's read our text today, John chapter 10. We'll start in verse 11 this time. We'll read through 21. It says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay, my, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Verse 19, and there was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon 
open the eyes of the blind? One more time, let's pray real quick before we get uh, into the rest of this this morning. Father, again, thank you for your word. I pray that we would always, always, always approach your word in humility. That your spirit, your Holy Spirit in this room with us right now, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see you. That you would open our ears to hear you. And that we would gladly wholeheartedly give our lives to you in service, in worship, for the glory of your name. We love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we talked quite a bit last week, uh, and already this, this week, about the false shepherds, right? The thieves, the robbers. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. These are folks with malicious intent. They devour the sheep. They're not selfless, they're selfish. They're not life-giving, they're life-taking. Jesus has been creating a, a contrast. He's been creating division between he and the Pharisees. But in our text today, there's another person mentioned, another character in the, uh, the analogy, someone who is also not a good shepherd of the sheep. It is the hired hand. Verses uh, 12 and 13 again, it says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, um, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So not a very good shepherd of the sheep. When things get tough, you run. And as you read it, it doesn't seem like there's full, that this person's heart is full of malice in their mind, their heart towards the sheep. It's not like they wish that something poor would happen to them or that they're looking to devour or eat them. It's just that they care more about themselves than the sheep. D.A. Carson in his commentary on, on John, it says, Thieves and robbers, verses 1 and 8, are obviously wicked. They're obviously wicked. Thieves, robbers, Eat, destroy the sheep. The hired hand, he says, is not wicked, simply more committed to his own well-being than the well-being of the sheep. Like I said, it doesn't seem that they want harm to fall upon the sheep. They'll care for the sheep to a certain extent. They'll care for the sheep up to a certain point. But when it gets too tough, where it's just not worth it enough anymore, or maybe their own life is in danger, they'll run. Heard the phrase, and, and it seems more true now than ever, good help is hard to find, right? It's hard to find good help. Go around town these days, right? Help wanted signs everywhere. Shortage of employees, but then even when you do find someone, it's hard to find a good worker, a good hired hand, a good employee. It's hard to get them trained to do a good job and to represent your company or your product or even your own name well. It's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge for any organization to get full buy-in from someone good commitment from someone. It, it takes a lot of things. It takes good leadership. It takes a noble mission, and it takes communicating that mission very well. 
But even then, even with all the training, no one quite cares like the owner of the business. No one quite cares like the owner. Um, my brother, he's an arborist now, but before uh, he got into tree work, um, he actually owned his own roofing and siding and windows, kind of exterior homes type stuff. And uh, they had a couple of small crews. He and my cousin owned it. And um, they actually asked me to help sell roofs, like go around me with customers and kind of, you know, sell the company, sell roofs to people. And it was so easy. It was so easy because you had, I, I would just basically tell them, you have an owner on site. You don't just have some random crew. You don't just have some random workers, some just random guys, some subcontractors or whatever it is, but you're going to have an owner on site. And no one cares more than the one whose name is on the side of the truck. And so it was so easy to sell. It's the same kind of thing, a hired hand, just a, a random worker. When things get tough, they don't have quite the commitment that someone who owns the business it's actually this reason, at least part of the reason, why here at Mercy Hill, we love to raise up people from within the congregation and put them on staff. Someone who gets Mercy Hill, someone who gets the heart of our church, someone who gets the philosophy and loves the gospel in a deep way, someone who loves the people in the church already who has relationship in there with them, Instead of just hiring somebody from outside, bringing somebody in who has no relationship with anybody in this room, and it's not that we'll never do it. If there's a great need and we feel led of God, we may have to go outside the doors, but we take it very seriously. Ephesians chapter 4, right, to equip the saints to do of the work of the ministry, like to raise up folks in this room to be pastors. It's my hope and prayer that there are folks sitting in these chairs right now that will be pastors of Mercy Hill Church someday. Because no one cares for the sheep like the shepherd does. So in this analogy, in this figure of speech, we have thieves, robbers, right? We have false shepherds. We have a hired hand, those who care for the sheep, but there's potential threat to themselves. They flee and they run. And then we have the good shepherd, Jesus explicitly says it a few times here that he is the good shepherd. Verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, so contrast to the thief who takes, who steals, destroys. In contrast to the hired hand who cares for the sheep when it's easy, won't stand for them, won't fight for them, won't guard them with his life. The shepherd, the true shepherd, Jesus. He's the one who will stand as the door to the sheepfold. This true shepherd gives all of himself for the sheep. Do you realize that Jesus holds nothing back from you? He holds nothing back from you. You ever had a friend like that? You had a friend like the truest friend that would withhold nothing from you? Makes me think of John chapter 15, verse 13, very familiar verse. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
when you and I read this, like when, we, when, when I read, at least when I read this, I, won't, I, I guess I can't speak for you, but my mind goes immediately to the cross, right? Greater ha- love has no one than to lay down in life, right? So Jesus laid down his life for us, and we are blessed to be on this side of the cross, right? A couple thousand years removed from the work of Christ, and now we hold in our hands the totality, the finished scriptures, We have the whole story. We lack nothing because we have this beautiful book and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we're blessed with Scripture. We're blessed with the promised Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into that truth. And so when I hear the verse, greater love has no one than to lay down his life, to give his life, of course my mind goes to the cross. But when I look at Jesus' life, it started way before the cross. He was that rabbi. He was that teacher. He was that friend who gave his life before the cross was there. He taught them. He healed them. He fed them. He served them. He washed their feet as an example of service and love. Think about marriages. Most marriages have the same troubles. It doesn't matter what it is. Any marriage trouble is is usually wrapped up in trust. They don't feel loved. They don't feel protected by the other person. Most of that stems from someone not feeling served and protected. Talk to him and he's like, well, she does this and she does this and she does this. I talk to her, and she says, well, he does this, and he does this, and he does this. And in my head, I'm sitting there going, I don't care. <laughs> like, I do care. I care about them. I care about their relationship. I care, but I don't care what he does. I don't care what he does. I don't care what she does. Like, what, I, I often have to just boil it down and go, are you loving and serving and laying down your life for her? Are you loving and serving and laying down your life for him? Usually the response is, well, yeah, but, yeah, but they, yeah, but he, yeah, but she. And in my brain I'm going, there's, there's no yeah buts in the gospel. There's no, there's no yeah buts in the Bible. Like, yeah, but you don't understand because they do this. The shepherd, of the, the hired hand might say, yeah, but. I know I'm supposed to care for these sheep, but yeah, but now it's t- I'm out of here. But the shepherd of the sheep goes, I know they're sheep. <laughs> yeah, but they're so dumb. I don't care. Yeah, but they're, they're so weak. Gee, the good shepherd says, I, I love them. I'm still going to, yeah, but... They wander so easily. The shepherd goes, I I don't care. I'm still going to love and give my life for them. Yeah, yeah, but they've wandered too far this time. Yeah, but I'm still going to go. And I'm going to search them out because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And it started way before the cross. In your homes, husbands, wives, parents to their children, 
Renew your love for each other by serving one another. Serve one another. Let your love be genuine. Let your love be true. Serve them. And don't give me a yeah, but. I I don't care what they've done in the past. I don't care what they do later on today. Serve them. Serve your kids. Your kids, give them a great example of love even when they're driving you nuts. Might be speaking to myself right now. Some of you need to go home and wash your wife's feet. Some of you wives are like, no, thank you. Don't touch my feet. Maybe start with washing the dishes, okay? Serve. Serve your wife, serve your husband, serve your, just, just like the shepherd, laying down his life. It started way before the cross. Let's look at uh, our verses again here. Verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. This is the second time he says it here. And he says, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, right? He's referring to Gentiles. He's referring to those outside of Israel. And I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock And one shepherd, so beautiful, so great. What I love about this really is, I love the intimacy in these words. I know my own and my my own know me. There's a closeness that the shepherd has with the sheep. And he equates it, amazingly, he equates it with the same oneness that Jesus has with his heavenly father. Did you notice that? Just as the father knows me and I know the father, he says. The type of oneness that we have with the shepherd, that we have with Christ, is the same oneness, the same unity that God has with himself. The same essence, so beautiful. He says, I know my own, and and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Blows my mind, the intimacy and the closeness that we dumb, wandering sheep have with our gracious loving shepherd. I've never owned a sheep before, but I do own a pretty cute dog that looks a lot like a sheep. Up until a few days ago, at least. Uh, a few days ago, she looked like a dirty hipster. So I called her. There's my dog right there. Right? I, I, I put that picture in there, and I told the guys, I said, that's just for the awe factor, because I knew if you guys saw her. But seriously, like, this dog... This is the first family dog that we've had, and I've, like, she's been, per- like, she's not perfect. She's a dog. But she knows my voice. She knows my voice. If she hears my voice, she responds differently than the rest of our family, especially our kids. They will push, she will push my kids' buttons, and they'll actually try to mimic my voice. I, I have a very distinct, Annie, come, like, when I'm yelling to her out in the yard, and she will come running, and my kids, it's so funny trying to hear my kids replicate my voice. It's very cute. But she knows my voice. She knows my voice. There's a closeness there. It's okay, not quite the same as a sheep. She looks like a sheep, but it's not quite the same. But the same closeness, that same call to hear the call of the shepherd. Like we talked about it last week when um, shepherds were on journeys. When they would go out into pasture, they would sometimes go for days, go 
days away from town, and they would have to set up that, that little sheepfold out in the pasture, brush, branches, whatever it was, to keep them enclosed for the night, and that shepherd would stand in the door. And sometimes there would be multiple shepherds working together so that there would be a sheepfold with multiple shepherds' sheep in it. And at the next day, the next morning, that shepherd would just speak to his sheep, and only his sheep would follow his voice. How beautiful is that? Our, our text says that the sheep's, uh, the, the shepherd's sheep, they will not follow a stranger. They are so tuned in to the voice of their shepherd that they will flee from a stranger. The sheep hear his voice, it says in verse 3, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. How beautiful is it that he knows and calls his sheep by name? His sheep hear his voice, and they know his voice. It's a beautiful picture of the saving work of Jesus. Christ calls out his own, those who he has known from the foundations of the world, those that he's predestined for adoption as sons, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1. He calls out his sheep out from the world. He calls even other sheep, the Gentile nations, from the Gentile nations, he calls his sheep to be his. And they hear his voice by the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration, they hear his voice. You realize how sweet it is to hear the voice of God? To be convicted about any sin, how sweet that is? A lot of times we, we think of our, our, sinful, our sinfulness and the conviction that comes along with that, and a lot of times there's guilt and shame associated with that, and it's my prayer that the gospel the fullness of the gospel would, would eclipse some of those self-thoughts. But that conviction is sweet. The fact that he doesn't let me persist in my sin, he doesn't let me wander off, but he gently calls me back to himself, how sweet is that? His sheep are not blind like the Pharisees. They see. They're not deaf. They're not hard-hearted. But no, they, by the work of the Holy Spirit, they hear the sweetness of his voice. And so with that, I have a warning for you today. It's this. Don't underestimate pride. Uh, we, we talk about it. We know it's bad, we know it's wrong, but don't underestimate the sheer evil that is in pride. Don't underestimate the sneakiness of it, the destruction of it. What starts as self-sufficiency and self-ability can soon lead to self-assurance and resting in ourselves. And then I start to think, well, maybe I'm getting, I'm getting by pretty well on my own. I don't really need God. I don't think it, like, out loud. 
I don't really need a shepherd to lead me. I don't need a shepherd to feed me because I can do it myself. I can meet my needs. I can work harder. I can, even if things are tough and times are tough, I can still figure it out somehow, some way. We get this sense of autonomy and we think that it's freedom, but it's not. I was thinking this week, what a grace it is to find ourselves in need, this tangible picture of this deep spiritual state. To be in need is our deep reality. Any need is a picture of a spiritual state, a picture of our spiritual state. When we don't acknowledge that Christ, our shepherd, is the provider of all things, not just spiritual things, that we need him for all things, we increase the danger of prideful independence. It's sneaky. Our flesh doesn't want to submit to him. It all starts with that sneaky seed of pride. Little do we understand what's really happening. When pride creeps in and we get real autonomous and independent, our vision becomes clouded. Our ears become stopped up. We don't see as clearly. We don't hear as well. What ultimately happens, we grow arrogantly blind like the Pharisees. We grow unable to hear the whisper of the voice of the shepherd, the one who's bidding us to come and to follow and submit to him, the one who's most caring, the one who's most loving, the one who has a love that is so deep that this shepherd held nothing back from us. That sneaky autonomy, that sneaky independence, the sneaky pride that comes into play, it causes me to not see clearly. It causes me to not hear his voice. The, the Pharisees are right in front of him. They're seeing miracles physical miracles. They're seeing miracles performed and they can't see, they can't hear the gospel of Christ. Beware of pride. A lot of times we think of it as arrogance. Being a jerk. Selfish. Beware of the autonomy. Beware of the self-sufficiency that we find ourselves in. Because with the voice of the shepherd, he calls us. And I want to be able to hear it. I want to be able to hear it. He calls us. He calls us near. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about just the sweetness of the presence of God the preciousness of being near to him, engaging him in his presence in worship and prayer and community. With his voice, he calls us near. In his presence, there is everything that we're looking for. Peace for our souls, protection from the world, protection from going astray and wandering off, protection from the allure of riches and prestige and positions. I was thinking about it this week. What's the, where's the most dangerous place for a sheep? It's alone, astray, wandering. 
Like I said, it feels like autonomy. It feels like independence. But it's lostness and really bondage. Blindness. Deafness. The most dangerous place for a sheep is in those straying moments, those independent, autonomous moments. And it's the most dangerous place for us. The enemy of our souls, the one who's like a roaring lion, wanting to snatch us and destroy us and devour us. How do we find protection from that? Stay close to the shepherd. First Peter chapter 5, another great place where it refers to Jesus, not a, as the good shepherd, but as the chief shepherd. It says this, it starts with an exhortation of the elders. It says, so I exhort you elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock that God, uh, the, the flock of God that is among you, okay, he's encouraging the elders, shepherd the flock, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in, in your charge, but being examples to the flock, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are young, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves in what? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And he keeps talking about humility, which is interesting. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, right? Right view of yourself, being humble. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Linking humility and pride, linking um, uh, being sober-minded as part of the remedy of not being devoured by our enemy. Humility, staying close to the shepherd, being sober-minded, having full understanding of the strength that is in the shepherd in our desperate need for him. When we're not humble, when we're prideful, we're the most vulnerable. When we claim our autonomy and our independence, we put ourselves in danger. The enemy is looking for those who are not humble, who are off on their own, who have tried to claim their independence from the shepherd. But I am so grateful that Christ, our good shepherd, the chief shepherd, he's called us by name. He's called us to himself. He's called us to his presence. Today, as we conclude, as we go to a time of worship, I don't want this just to be the last song before we leave. We're going to maybe sing a couple of songs together. But I want you to press into the presence of God. Maybe you've been wandering. Maybe you've been a little bit more autonomous than you should be. Maybe you haven't been leaning in and pressing in to the Good Shepherd. Today, humble yourselves.
heed the warning of prideful autonomy. Let your eyes be opened. Let your ears be opened. Let's not become a deaf, blind Pharisee. But let us hear the voice of the one who calls and the one who loves deeper than any other. Let us draw near to him today. So as we go to a time of worship, again, I just want to encourage you, let's not check out, let's not squander this moment. Let's not squander an opportunity to come into the presence of God and to worship his name. If you have needs, if you have um, burdens, bring it to the shepherd. Bring Bring it to the one who binds up those that are broken, who pursues those that are wandering, that feeds and cares for. He is everything. Bring it to him today. So as we go to a time of worship, let's press into the presence of God. Let us draw near to him. Father, we thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are faithful. Please continue to be faithful to us, your people. Please open up our ears to hear you. Open up our eyes to see you, God. Let our our selfish pride come down. God, let us be humble before you. That we might see, that we might know. God, that we would be so content in your care. Thank you for this morning. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.